Abraham. Today we're going to look at Abraham's servant who has been asked to do an amazing thing. Now let me give you a little bit of a history beforehand. During this time, remember in this culture, women would cover themselves and they would not show their hair. They would only see their eyes because the eyes were something that you don't look at just the outward beauty of somebody. In that culture, as you look at their eyes, your eyes can tell you a lot about a person. You know what I mean? And so they would reveal their eyes, but women could wear with their shawl down. And, uh, but when they wanted to show respect or honor to anybody, that, you're going to see that happen. And then I want you to remember that camels drink a lot of water. Uh, I misquoted last time. Uh, uh, the last service, so we'll have to make this service the, the, the one that we send out there to, you know, people to listen to land. And uh, uh, that a camel can drink up to, one camel can drink up to 30 gallons of water in one setting. I want you to remember that. 30 stinking gallons of water. And the reason I want you to remember that is because we're going to talk about this issue of time from the time that servant, uh, the servant prayed and how much time it took for him to find Rebecca, to seek Rebecca out. But, uh, and what he did. So remember, when somebody's watering camels, their camels are not near the well. They're a little bit of distance from the well. And it would be natural that you'd say, water my camels, and the average person could carry about five things, five gallons of water in a pot anymore. The pot's heavier. It's not like the plastic. We have, I know it sounds nerdy, but you've got to remember, so when you're reading the scripture, that woman, if they drank, uh, if those camels, and there were 10 of them, drank, uh, 30 gallons each, you got to remember the time that it took to water those camels. Even if you said, okay, each camel drank 10 gallons of water, it's still a lot of water, okay? I want you to remember the humanity of uh, the, the humanness of, of these people that are going through all this, all right? Now, another thing historically, when an oath was made from one man to another, when it really had to do with his family, his seed, and remember, this is what Jesus said, I mean, what God had promised him. He said, your family, boom, you'll not be the father of a, a few. He said, you're going to be father of many. You're not going to be Abram, Abram, you're going to be Abraham, father of many nations. And whenever a man would make a, a, an oath and say, would you swear by this, if this is attached to my family, they would take their hand and place it on the thigh, which was near the area of procreation. And what that meant was that, that uh, when they're making that oath, they know that what they're making an oath uh, to do is very, very serious, and it's attached to that person's family, all right? So I want you to remember those things as we read this, all right? Good stuff uh, to learn. Now, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 24, and you'll see some of this come to life. Everybody good this morning? All right, here we go. Chapter 24. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in years. We would say it differently. Boy, you're really old. Look at you. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, he brought a servant in. He said, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had. He said, I want you to put my hand under your, I want you to put your hand under my thigh. Now remember, now he's thinking, okay, this is, this is serious. He, he, he's thinking, okay. In fact, it's so serious that he, he just wants to make sure he doesn't die in the process because he couldn't keep the oath. Watch. He said, he said, put your hand on my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among who I dwell. He said, I want you to go find, my, my, I want you to go find Isaac a wife, but you will not. You can't take it from where we dwell. You can't take it from the Canaanites. He says, I'm going to dwell, but you'll go to the country and to my kindred. His family, 
Remember, this is, you know, his, his family. This is his family. So I want you to go to where my family lives. We're going to find somebody among my family. Very, very common that this would happen. And he said, he will go to my country and my kindred and take a wife for my son, Isaac. So now he hears that and he's going, oh, my goodness. This is serious stuff. I'm about to go find the wife of this man that I have watched change possibly from being somebody who used to worship idols to somebody who doesn't worship idols, who trusts in a God, who goes and have conversation with him. I've got to trust this. I've got to go do this. This is attached to the very thing. Because he, he, he saw all that happening with, with, uh, with Abraham. He heard probably some of those conversations. Uh, he knew why Isaac's, probably knew why Isaac's name uh, meant laughter. He had seen all this. He was a part of all this. He saw the humanity in Abraham, and he saw the faithfulness in Abraham. He says this, and the servant said to him, perhaps the woman, see, he's nervous about it. <laughs> he said, well, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. He said, well, what happened if I can't find her? You just made me make an oath? What if this goes sour? Because if you break an oath, death could happen to you. So he's taking this very seriously. He's thinking, okay, what happens if she doesn't come? This is a, a lot to be involved in. I'm not sure we can make this happen. And he said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give you this land. He'll send, you, he'll send an angel before you, and you shall take a wife from my son from there. So he looked at him, and I just love that. He said, hey, you've been around me a long time. You remember the oath. You were there with me. I wasn't crazy. This same God is going to provide for you because he told me a promise. Remember last week what the first point was? God keeps his promises. He said, man, I got this promise going. So I know this. It was a step of faith. It was a step of not just faith, just love and trust to say, an angel's going to go before you. It's okay. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. You ever hear people say that? I do it a lot on Sunday morning right from here. He will do it. He will see you through. Look, says, uh, he said, but if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you'll be free from this oath of mine. Listen, don't worry about it. So to make you feel better, fine, but it's going to happen. Only you must take my son back there. Uh, must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and he swore to him concerning this matter. Now, remember I told you that the overlying story is redemption that led to the seed, which was Jesus Christ crucified, and that gives us life. And why even Carpenter's Way is here, is starting there. But as these people are going through it, they're just like you and I. So as a disciple of Jesus, here's what I learned to take it into practical terms. And this is the first one. The first one is be a person of character. Because in just a few minutes, you're going to see that he had, to, he had to take this oath. He was nervous about it. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be. He, he also wanted to make sure that if it didn't happen the way he said it, that I've got a way out. But he still went for it. He didn't leave and say, hey, I, I'm just going to sit out here at the camp about 40 miles out. And I'm going to say it didn't happen. I'm going to come back. I'm going to pay my man some money. And we're just going to be quiet because I don't. this is too big of a job for me. But he didn't do that. He was a man of character. And I want you to know, if there's anything as a disciple that we're losing ground on in this country and other places is people's word mean absolutely nothing sometimes. You ever notice that? Somebody tell you this, 
And if profit is better than this, profit will always win. As believers in Christ, we must be people of character. If you say you're going to do something, then do it. If you say you're going to be there, then be there. If you've made a commitment, see it through. It's no different than what I taught my children when they were young. Daddy, I want to play the piano. Okay, let's go to the piano. I want to swim. Okay, let's go for a swim. Oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Well, you're seeing the swim team through. You're going to finish the lessons because I want you to understand you made this decision, and we see we're people of character, right? So see your commitment. Maybe that's where some of you are. Your character is right in line. And remember, if it's unbiblical, if it's immoral, if it's unethical, that is where character is an issue. If it's preference, you just need to get over it because you're not in charge. And that, that's true. It's just preference. Well, I'd do it differently. Well, you're not the person in charge, so be a person of character and do your work as unto the Lord. Right. We don't we do that anymore. Well, I just think they're wrong. It doesn't matter. It's an unethical, unbiblical, immoral. It's just preference. That's all it is. So stay with your character. When I was speaking uh, full-time, and I went into speaking, about three years after, after I was speaking full-time, so I spoke at youth camps, and I'd, I'd do eight to ten camps every year, just week after week after week, going to youth camps all over the place. And uh, uh, when I was a student pastor, I was calling youth camp, you, people to speak at these youth camps that I was having, and I was asked this guy to come speak. He's a speaker. He's a full-time you know, communicator presenting the gospel. And I, I called him in January. I said, hey, I want you to come and speak at my camp in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. He said, uh, man, thank you so much for the invite. Let me just pray about this, and, you know, I'll let you know. Okay. Well, hung up. Always wanted to speak, and I thought, man, if I'm speaking, I'm, you know, I'm going speaking. I don't have to pray about it. But I understand, okay, whatever you need to do. Called him in February. I'm still praying. Called him in March. And uh, uh, left a message. True story. And so as a youth pastor, that, I mean, I called him in March, uh, uh, said, hey. He goes, well, I'm still, um, I just, you know, or left a message. And then uh, 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 I called him again, and, and we talked. And he goes, give, just give me another couple of days. I said, okay, but I really need to know. I mean, it's, it's here at the beginning of March. I need to know. And uh, I thought, I wonder what he's waiting on. I kind of knew. I had this buddy in Dallas area call me. My church was a church of about 500. I had about 80 kids. His church was a church of about 1,800. He had like 300 kids. And he calls me and he goes, Pat. And what, man? He goes, you're never going to believe it. You know what's happening, don't you? I'm not exaggerating. He said, you're never going to believe it. What? He said, I lost my speaker for my camp. He said, so I called somebody out of the blue, and that somebody was a person that I had talked to in January. I go, yeah? He goes, yeah, I just called him and just thought I'll ask and see if he's free. And so he is. I said, really? When did you talk to him? He said, I just got off the phone with him. You ought to come to camp with us. And in my mind, I'm going, no. Within 30 minutes. He called me back. He said, listen, I prayed about it, and I, I just don't believe I need to come to your camp. There's a difference in size, and there's a difference in money. I'm not a fool. And so from there, as I always wanted to go into speaking, I said, I will say yes to no matter what. Because I, I prayed for years, God, let me go speak, let me go speak. And finally he said, go speak. And that third year, when they said, 
uh, hey, Pat, we want you to come do this camps for us. And uh, it's about three in a row. It's two weeks. It's three weeks of camp in, in two weeks. You know, but we believe you're the man, and uh, we just, you know, want you to pray about that. And I said, look, I may sound arrogant. I said, but I, I've already prayed about my calling. I am called to teach the gospel and to bring the Bible to life to students right now. So my prayer time is I just take the first call, and those weeks are open, and I'm there. And he said, I said, unless y'all need to pray about it. Well, he said, no, no, we were led to you. And I said, and we were on. And where did I gain that? I gained that going, you should never pick and choose what you want. I'm going to be a person of character. I've already prayed about speaking. It's there. Now if I get the call, I'm going. And were there times there somebody called and said, hey, would you come speak to this? And there was like 80 kids, and I went, yeah. And then, man, two days later, hey, Pat, are you open this week? And it was like, you know, 2,000 kids. It's just more, it's just fun to talk to a lot of people. It's not an ego thing. It's just fun. The room is fun. And I went, man, I wish I could, but I'm already booked. Be people of character. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Make your word your word. Do what you're called to do and be honest. Okay? Be people of character. And he was of character, so look what he did. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camel. Remember, 10? How much water per camel? Max? 30 gallons? Look at this. He took ten of his master's camels. He departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his masters. And he arose, and he went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. In other words, that's seeing his, he was a person of character. He did it. And he made the camels kneel down, because he's about to pray. And that's our next point. Uh, he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. So he kneeled his camels down, and that's my next point. You've got to teach your animals how to pray. No, I'm just kidding. I want to see if you were listening. All right. Here's the next point, really, is this. Uh, bring, isn't that cheesy? <laughs> it's fun. Uh, bring God into my decisions. So what you have to do is be a person of character, and then you have to also bring God into your decisions. See, some of you are dealing with things this week or this month, or you've been dealing with it, and you haven't brought God into your decision-making. Let me tell you something. In our home, God is in our decision-making, whether we build or whether we bought. It's our decision on how much to go for the loan for. It's a decision on do we want to build in the back? When do we do this? It's, a, it's bringing God into the decision, saying, God, when we raise our children, I always told our children, I will never raise you based on that. I'm a minister. I will raise you based on that you are a Christian. And we will do ourselves to bring, make sure that bring God into the decision-making that are for you as kids. There are many of us that as Christians wonder why God doesn't bless something, wonder why we're just frustrated, but we never got to, we never got to the point where we said, you know, God, I want you a part of the decision, so Holy Spirit, speak to me. Okay? If you, if you want a job, if you want to advance, if you want, if you want to do something different within your job, if you, whatever it is, you have to say, God, help me be involved in this decision. So that when I get the call, I'm ready to know if I'm supposed to say yes to it. Am I so desperate I'm going to say yes to the first thing, but I, got brought, I brought God into it at the very beginning. Watch this. So that when that call came, he was, since he was involved in the decision-making that I could go, as much as I know that's good, I don't think I'm supposed to take that. Because he's in my decisions. People go, why not? I'm just not supposed to. It doesn't make sense to me. But I'm a believer, and I have this sense in my heart something's not right. Ready? Yeah, have that ever happened to you? Look, so bring him to your decision-making. 
and pray. When you pray, be specific. It's okay. God may not do it your way, but this servant, what he did is he brought God into his decision-making immediately because he was given a big task to do. Go find Isaac a wife. Listen, and then he says uh, he began to pray, and he was very specific. So go and be specific. Say, And he said, oh, Lord. So he stopped. He made the camels kneel. They're all praying there. And he said, oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham, Please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. He wasn't selfish, was he? And in his prayer, he was specific and he said, Oh God, make me successful today. But not just for me, but for the man who's known as my master and who has followed you and been faithful to you and had tough times. See, he, he was probably there and knew where he was going when he took Isaac. He could have known this man is about to go sacrifice his son. Maybe he was the only one that he told. He was the closest one. He was over all that he had. Maybe he shared it with him. He's saying, oh, grant him, grant him success. Uh, it says, let the young woman whom, whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say drink, and I will water your camels. Now he's being specific. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Right? Because this is not, watch this. This is not about me. This is about my master. You want to lay that onto the life of a disciple now? This is not about us. It's about our master. He was modeling it. It's not about me. It's about my master. This church is not about me. I keep on telling everybody that. It is about my master, God. That's what this church is about. He says, of whom you have appointed, by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. So be patient as you wait. He's praying. And what you have to understand, guys, we don't know how long he had. We think it happened to matter me. Oh, God, amen. Boom, boom, happened. He had to wait. He went, he used, let's just, he used his logic and said, where will women be during this time of the day? Oh, they're drawing water from the well. Let's just go. And I can imagine God's going, good boy, go to the well. That's where the women will be. They'll be drawing water. We're going to find you one there. So he sat there. We don't know how long he sat there. And all the ladies at the well were going, who is that guy? Is it a pervert up that hill? What's going on? I'm going to go tell my husband. But he's, we don't know how long he was there. And then all of a sudden, he sees this woman, and he, for some reason, he goes, I need to ask her for water. What was that about? God, is that, can you imagine making those decisions? Yes, you can. God, is that the one? Is that the one? Am I supposed to do it? Am I supposed to do it? Is that the one? Is that, is that the one? Gosh. Hey. Yeah, hey, could I get some water? Let's see how good you are. Oh, he's good. He's against water. Look, but he was patient as he waited. Also, you have to remember in just a few minutes when we read this, when he says, thank you for the water. And then he says, uh, she, he, he's waiting for it. You want me to do your camels to you? You want me to water your camels too? I wonder if there's a part of that went. Yeah. You know, have you ever seen when God answers your prayers, we get like that? Some, Can you believe that? I prayed for that three days ago. Can you believe that's really happening? Why do we? He asked for it. Uh, we get some water for my. You want me to get some water for your camels? Yes. 
And he watched her. He watched her go to that well. And let's just say, remember I told you, let's say it was only 15 gallons that each other loaf had to have. Do you imagine how much time and the whole time he's going, I can't believe this. I can't even believe this. I can't even believe this. Watering the camels. Ten of them. Ten gallons apiece. Average person will carry something in a pot, five gallons. Think about that. Add that up. Do the time. We don't know how, but he just watched. He was patient. Many of us are impatient. Man, we get in line at Sonic. The name itself has some type of meaning. And we have to wait four minutes for our stuff. Four minutes. Four minutes. <laughs> Watch your clock next time. I do that to myself. Because I'll go, okay, how long has it been? I'm going, feeling like it's 10. And I go, okay, it's only been three. I look at the clock and I go, okay. Fine. So I tip a little bit more because I feel guilty. Like, hey, listen, we, we are very impatient people, aren't we? We just don't like to wait. And I want you to know, just be patient while you ask God to help you. Look, so he says this. Because he waited for the ladies to come out of the community to the well. And an hour or so as Rebecca watered the camels. Pretty amazing. Then it says this, before he had finished, before he had finished speaking, so this is his prayer, oh, Lord, ready? Before, oh, and that's what I pray, Amen. whoa, there she is, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Malachi, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, see the family, came out with her water jaw on her shoulders, and the young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom had, who, had, who, uh, who no man had known, and she went down to the spring and filled up her jar and came up, oh. And then the servant ran to meet her. Can you imagine? Now he's running. Can you imagine how she felt? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who is this guy? He made me meet her and said, please give me a little water to drink. There it is. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. And here it comes. Oh, and when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for you cameras also until they have finished drinking. That is to him, that was a miracle. Little things. This little miracle. It said, so she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. That was a long process. That's what I want you to see. Sometimes we read stuff. We just don't look at all that little, that, those little important things to see humanity. And the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey. He is still doubting. He's looking at her. Okay, no, this, oh, this is is this really you're gonna prosper my journey? And to prosper we use a lot for money and rich. That's not what it is, it's to prosper, it's to do good. He said, Is this gonna is this really gonna is this gonna be right? And he's just watching the whole time he's going, Yeah, this is it. No, I can't believe this happened. And it can. God can do amazing things like that. Says, uh, and, and when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets off her, off her, uh, for her arms weighing ten gold shekels. So he says, hey, I got something for you. Well, what's this for? Look at this. But she's, she's no fool because immediately she said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house to spend the night? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's thinking, wow, this guy's got some, some money. 
I mean, you got to know, she says, and she said to him, I, I'm the daughter of Bethel, the son of Malchah, who, 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 who uh, she bore to Nahor. And, and she added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. Hey, come on in. Spend the night. We will feed you. We'll feed you camels. And the man bowed his head, and he worshiped the Lord. Look, look what he says. And he said, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the who? The Lord. Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. Hey, everybody look right here. You got to hang on and be patient because his steadfast love and his faithfulness are right there. He is steadfast. He is strong. He is mighty. And he's faithful. And you got to tell him, oh God, you have been faithful. You have been steadfast. Praise you, Lord, for, for what, even I, what I can't even see of what you're going to do. He said, told my master, as for me, the Lord has led me in this way to the house of a master's kinsman. So thank the Lord. Even in the process of waiting, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, I'm, I'm, ready, for a, I'm ready for us to be in one room again, all of us. I am. And I'm saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? And the elders are saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? And so how we're going to do it? How do you want this? I want us to be in one building again. Even though I know that once we're in one building, it's going to grow. We're going to have to go two services again. But I sure would like us to be in one building. But that's what I hope for. But I'm patient. But you know what? With what we have, I'm so thankful. Man, when an air conditioner breaks down or we got cracked hallways or things that need to be done and we all as a staff trying to trying to deal with all that things and then we go hey wait a minute we didn't have a building one time remember we had to reset another building set it up twice a week okay we didn't have anything thank you lord for what we have and i thank the lord for what you have in the midst of waiting for what direction he's going to give him. Maybe that's what he's waiting for, for you to say, be thankful. I'm providing for you in the midst of whatever you're going through. I said, then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. And Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man. He saw the, he saw the bling. That's what he saw. You go, somebody even came up to me after and said, I was sitting there going, I thought it said a ring. I said, yeah, it was a ring, but it was bling. And Laban's going, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, uh, Let's take a look at this stuff. And he ran out to meet him. Now, these next 60 or, or next verses, 30 verses, I'm going to go over very quickly. Because what happens is a servant tells the story over and over again. So it's not that those verses aren't important. It's just because of time that we have to move on very quickly. It says this. Now, in Genesis 24, 30 through 60, what we're going to pass over here, Laban saw, saw the bling, ching, okay? Laban invited him into his home. Come on in. Laban fed the servants' camels. Laban washed all the ser servants' feet that were with him. Laban and the family listened to his story. That's all these verses. And Laban asked and said, hey, can uh, we have 10 days just with the sister before we send him back? And they said, well, let's ask. The he goes, well, I don't know about that. I'm supposed to get back with her. And, he, and, and so they said, well, let's ask the girl. And Rebecca said, yeah, I'm good. We'll, we need to go now. Let's do this now. And she bypassed the 10 days, and they left. Look. And then Rebecca, that's where we are. Then Rebecca and her young woman arose and rode, to the, rode on the camels and followed the man. And thus the servant took Rebecca and went on his way. You know, you don't think about this fact. Everybody look right here. The little things that are happening in the background to prepare for something in the future. The little thing that was happening in the background 
is the very fact that those camels were watered and then they were fed, made way for the journey that they were about to take. Nobody thinks about that. You know, God was in all that. He was in Laban's thought. He said, well, we've got to get these camels fed. Laban has a thing for bling, so why don't we just let him take care of these people like they're supposed to. But all the process that you can't see, that God made these camels ready to go. He can do little things that you, don't, you and I don't think about. This is this, uh, and now Isaac had returned to Bear Lahoroi and was dwelling in the Negev. Oh, here it happened. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. His mother was getting old. He's out there meditating. Look what he says. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And here it is. And Rebecca lifted her eyes and love struck. Man, love, camel. And anyway, uh, eyes, and, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. She looked at Isaac and went, man. Y'all never did that, did y'all? Uh, I told him this morning, Shannon, she saw me rock across ETBU, and I had swag. I really don't know what swag is, but I think I, think I had it. <laughs> but uh, she, you know, I mean, this is love. Y'all, y'all have. Y'all turned down your halos. Yeah, yeah, whatever. That's it. And said to the servant, who is that? That's what she said. You can try to make it G, but it was G, uh, PG, maybe. Who is that? Handsome man. These are humans. She longed for somebody as much as he longed for somebody. And here's the respect. Here's the character. And they're walking in the field to meet us. And the servant said, it's my master. So she took her veil and she covered herself. See that character? That's character. Because her veil was off. And she was saying, I will respect him. I want him to see my eyes. I want him to know who I am. You know? And amazing this day, we take off more than we put on, don't we? Be careful of that. Oh, now I'm, oh no, no, I'm getting in trouble. Here we go. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. That's the third, second time he's told the story. Let me tell you something. Look. And then Isaac brought her into the tent and Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah. And she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. See how God is preparing for him? You're going to need somebody to get to the death of your mother. And I'm going to sing you that person. Guys, God's working all in our lives. And as disciples, we need to do this, these things. But the last one is we need to share our God stories. That was the last thing it said. He said, let me tell you something. I know you think she's very attractive right now and everything's good for you, but let me tell you how this happened. I wonder, me, I wonder how many times he told his story. Can you imagine? You ever been at a table or somewhere in a crowd and something raises your, uh, your attention and you want to tell the story and you're waiting for everybody to be quiet so you can tell the story? Nobody's ever been there? I want to say this, I want to say this, and you're waiting not, not to be rude. And then sometimes when you tell it, it's like, okay, it didn't fit. It went too far. I have a feeling this servant, he didn't care. He just wanted to tell people. Oh, man. I just I held on. I was a person of character, and I, I brought God into my decision. And the minute I got to him, my decision, I prayed, and I was real specific. And then as I was praying, here's what happened. Oh, man, I sat there and watched this woman for two hours 
thinking, is this really it? I was doubting, and there she was right in front of me, answered all the questions. And then I, I just remember thanking the Lord for what he did. It was the most amazing story. He was sharing the story. Some of you have stories that you need to start sharing. Some of the past. Yeah, it took me years to finally start sharing about my fatherless wife, but I knew that God would begin to use that. I share that story not for my glory, but so God can say to fatherless people. Some of you have been through things that other people haven't been through. And you're, you, you're keeping it in, and God says, I want to use that pain for my glory. I want to use that story for my glory. I want other people to know they can get through it. Tell your story.